Amen. Praise God, everybody. Okay, let's try that again. Praise God, everybody. Yes, we greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. If you know God's been good to you, come on, make a joyful noise to the Lord this morning. Let me uh, take this opportunity to thank all of those who are watching us today uh, via the World Wide Web. Thank you for your time, the privilege of your time sharing with us. And we pray that as we are here to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be, that you are ready to take that next step in your Christian life. Now, remember, we're not here for you to make us a big church or me a big preacher. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. So like us, love us, share us with family members and friends, and let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Um, I think all of us are aware of the tragic shooting that took place at Lakewood Church this past week. Um, we're continuing to pray for all of the families who have been impacted uh, by this shooting, not just the family of the shooter, but uh, those who uh, were harmed, um, those who were traumatized. We're praying uh, for them. And it's just a reminder that just because you're in church doesn't mean you're in heaven. Amen. Um, you know, we had, uh, have had some uh, things, uh, for example, um, stolen uh, in, in the church uh, over the years. And somebody would say, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened in the church. You know, and I'm like, well, we're not in heaven. You know, this, this is still sinners come to church. Amen. Uh, folks still working out issues still come to church. Uh, Save thieves still come to church. Amen. Uh, We're we hoping that we get better, but we have not arrived yet. Uh, but here's what I want you to know. We're dealing with um, several different kinds of people in the world. You know, we're dealing with those who just have outright malicious intent. Um, and we see that every night on the news. We see that um, in our travels throughout the country. Um, people who have malicious intent uh, towards people of faith, regardless of their faith, people of color and the like. Um, we have some people who are just mentally ill, just not right. Um, and we have a facility right across the street here on the other side of the bayou, and we've had to deal with people who have come from there on multiple occasions. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, it should be a reminder to you that as a Christian, as a child of God, this world is not our home. And we can try to make it as homey as we want, uh, but this world is not our home. Can I get somebody to say amen? Amen. And we are in a spiritual battle every day. Um, you will notice we have uh, already increased our security. We're expanding that security on our campus. Uh, from now on, worship in the word. Um, we had already talked about making this shift, um, and now we're going to go ahead on and do it. Worship in the word is going to be moved on Wednesdays from in the sanctuary to in the center for hope. We have a greater security presence there on Wednesday night. It's easier to secure the building. Um, you can remember the tragic shooting at Mother Emmanuel in uh, South Carolina 
when people were in there for prayer meeting and somebody walked in. And it's, 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 it's a little tough, y'all, that we can't leave the doors open um, like they used to 24 hours a day. Anybody could come in for prayer anytime they wanted. Uh, but that's not the world that we live in. And so uh, we'll be moving our worship in the word, our midweek service into the Center for Hope uh, starting immediately. Um, <clears throat> we will have uh, active shooting drill on, on Sunday morning. And I almost, man, I feel funny even saying that we have to do that. Um, but I think all of you would agree it's, it's better to be wise and prudent uh, if something like this happens. And so uh, we'll have some active shooter drills. We've already done them uh, in the uh, Center for Hope during the week uh, prior to this. But um, I, it, it seems like now it's going to be necessary for us to do it on Sunday morning here. And so uh, just be in prayer uh, about that. Um, while, you know, I do have faith, the Bible says to be uh, wise as a serpent, amen, and harmless as a dove. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just be harmless as a dove. I want to be wise as a serpent as well, and we want to be prepared. Uh, I also want to ask all law enforcement officers who are part of our church, uh, if you would just let us know that you're here so that we can, uh, and when I say that, that you're a member of the church, not that you're here on a specific Sunday, uh, as much as that you're a member of the church. We're going to set up a registration system so we know where people are. You know, um, Texas is the, uh, I think maybe the patron state of, of gun carrying in our country. Now you don't even have to have a license to carry a gun. You can just buy one and carry one. I don't know how many of y'all are carrying in here right now. Amen. Um, but but here's, what I, here's what I want to say. Please keep them in your pocket. I don't want you shooting across anything and hitting anybody that's innocent. I don't care how good you are at shooting targets. Amen? I don't, I don't want you getting up and somebody getting up on this side and a crazy person jump up here in the middle and then everybody aiming this way. Somebody going to get hurt. Amen? Um, so we're going to make sure we have professionals in place, uh, but we're scheduling that active shooter drill, and we will be doing that in the coming weeks. Um, early voting starts on Tuesday. Let me lighten it up a little bit if I can. Uh, early voting starts on Tuesday and want to encourage you to get out and vote your convictions. Um, we've got several really, really important uh, uh, races in the primary, including uh, the district attorney, um, the uh, congressional seat, the 18th congressional seat, and uh, several others that are going to be pivotal races in determining the course of our city moving forward in our county and our country. And so I want you to uh, vote your convictions beginning Tuesday and want to encourage you to uh, get out early and vote. Don't wait till the last minute. Uh, when you think about it, you can vote anywhere in the county. Make sure you get out and cast your vote. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Uh, we are excited about what God is doing in the lives of our uh, life group members. And again, uh, you know, last year when we launched our new church culture, there was a sense of excitement and, and gleam and shine, and everybody was excited. 
Uh, but we want to make sure that we lean into this, that we lean into this to make sure that we continue our growth in the Lord and continue to help people who need Jesus know Jesus and help people who know Jesus to grow in Jesus. Man, we praise God. Um, we've had over 70 decisions for Jesus Christ this year already, over 70 decisions. 25 of them were in our children's ministry, our outreach um, and upwards sports ministry. And then we had another 45 uh, on campus. We'll be baptizing at 10 o'clock eight adults today who have given their life to the Lord. Amen. And uh, we're going to be baptizing for the next several months, if not several weeks, with the numbers that we had. 61% of the people, adults who have come to the Lord, uh, came, uh, joined our church, I should say, gave their life to the Lord as a candidate for baptism. So we're excited about what God is doing, and we want God to continue to move in that way. Amen? But he can't do it without you. We've got a video testimony today from one of our members. I'm going to have her to uh, share with you what God is doing in her life as she feels the Lord leading her into a new vineyard. Let's hear our video today. Rooting and grounded has taught me a lot about myself it also helped me to have encouragement to walk in the path and the purpose that God had for me. I came into the Rooted and Grounded to where I had a lot of love for other people. My job as well as profession and what I like to do is helping others. But for some reason, I just didn't seem to have that same love for myself. The energy that I put into helping others and loving others was not what the energy I was putting into myself. I realized that I was carrying a lot of my past with me and was, had not let those things go. I was still carrying a lot of rejection, a negative reflection of myself. The rooted and grounded helped me to see that I am a better person that my strongholds were, I had to let those, the past go and understand that all the positive accomplishments and empowerment of things that I have done for myself helped me to be who I am today. I have learned to have the faith, the prayer and meditation to literally walk out the what I say I believe that God has for me is for me. I have to be willing to take the risk as well that it's okay to make the mistakes, but I pick myself up and know that God still has the purpose at the end of all of that. The Rooted and Grounded also helped me work on my prayer and meditation and to have faith and to walk in the faith that I say I have for God. And God has always been there for me through all my past, the mistakes that I've made and the wrongdoing. So how dare I think that he wouldn't be there for me now and help me through my future. I have been in fear of walking in the fact that I just didn't think I was worthy of the good future and the things that I have still continuously worked hard for. So the rooted and grounded helped me to see that God has the purpose. It's okay to make mistakes and that we can still be okay and love each other and love others at the same time. And I have learned that with God, I continuously pray. I continuously help others, but I always make sure that I ask God to take care of me because if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of anyone else. 
So this, this Rooted and Grounded is such a much needed empowerment, encouragement, and inspiration to those that are looking for something. If they're lost, because I was lost, and I'm just so thankful to have been a part of it. Yeah. Sister Nedra has uh, taken hope to the world. She's actually going to be moving, she told me, to Las Vegas. And I asked her, I said, why are you going to Las Vegas? She said, because that's where God told me to go. And I said, well, are you working out there? She said, not yet. That's where God told me to go. And I'm taking Rooted and Grounded with me wherever I end up. I'm going to have a Rooted and Grounded group right there in Las Vegas. So I said, all right, praise God. Well, go, go with God. Go with God, right? Amen. Now, let me say something to those of you who are in current groups, whether you are in PDL, uh, Purpose Driven Life, or you're in Rooted. Um, the service projects are vital, and one of the things that I need you all to understand, I've said this before, but let me say it again as a reminder, um, we do not serve just because it's convenient. Everybody wants to serve on Saturday morning or whenever it's convenient for them. We don't serve when it's convenient for us. We are to serve when it's convenient and needed for the people we are serving. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all are quiet. I, you must be in those groups. Amen. So that means if they need a group to come and serve at 2 in the morning, we set the clock and we get there at 2 o'clock in the morning because that's when our Christian witness will be most effectively seen. We do not go just because it's convenient. We go because it is needed and we want to show up and be salt and light whenever it is needed. So if it's Monday morning, listen, you take, you take a day off from work for mental health reasons. Amen. You take a day off or take an afternoon off just because you just want to relax. Take some time off if you have to, to go serve in Jesus' name and be the salt and light that God has called you to be. We want to make sure that we do a great job in not just representing ourselves and our church, but we want to do a great job representing the kingdom of God as well. And make sure you uh, upload and share your pictures. Uh, we need more people signing up for facilitators. So make sure you take care of everything that you need to in order to continue your growth. Remember, Rooted and Grounded is not a program. It's a culture it's not something that you do for one session. It's a lifetime commitment that you make to growing and becoming all that God wants you to be and then recognizing the need to help somebody else become all the Lord wants them to be. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time as we go to the word of God. Father, we thank you and bless you for this time today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, Lord. We ask you to have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many times do we walk in life uh, thinking that we understand what the problem is when really we don't. How many times are we closed off to the obvious trying to find what we might 
perceived to be that deep-rooted issue that we're dealing with. Uh, This was shared with me this week by one of our staff. It's about a minute long. I want you to watch this and see if this may be familiar to you. Uh, The title of this YouTube video is It's Not About the Nail. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? We can work it out. Now, some of y'all couldn't laugh. I don't know which character you saw yourself in. I don't know if you saw yourself as the sister with the nail or the brother who is trying to get her to recognize that there's a nail in the middle of your forehead. But here's the truth of the matter. Everybody is dealing with something in life. And many times what we fail to realize, what we fail to accept is that that very thing that is at the root cause of what we are struggling with, what we are wrestling with, is right there and is rooted in our past. Uh, So many times the question is asked, what's wrong with you? Uh, You have probably said that to people. People have probably said that to you. When, When someone is acting outside of what we perceive to be their norm, when they're acting outside of what we believe would be positive behavior, we say, what's wrong with you? When maybe the better question to ask, if not to the person, maybe to yourself is, what happened to them? What is it that has happened that has changed who they are and how they act and how they live? Uh, Today, I want to conclude our message that we started on last week entitled, How to Overcome the Strongholds in Your Life. Today is part two of this message. And again, let me remind you that this sermon is not an accidental repeat. Um, I actually felt led and was confirmed even after last week that many of us who talk about strongholds, who may even be able to identify with them, are still holding on to them. And because we still hold on to them, just because we own it doesn't mean we're going to be delivered from it. 
Uh, you ever heard somebody say, my bad? You, you know what? My, my bad. I'm, I'm so sorry. My bad. You, you're right. I own that. You know. But after about the 10th time of owning something, right, after that person keeps on saying, man, my bad, I own, you know, I own that, that's my, no, 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 eventually you've got to stop doing it. It's not enough to just own it, you've got to now own it enough to say, you know what, enough is enough, and I need to make a change in my life. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Uh, just in the form of review, last week we talked about uh, three things. We said, number one, you need to realize you have strongholds in life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. There is a presence of strongholds in our life. That stronghold literally refers to uh, that which is a fortress, that which is firm. Uh, figuratively, it's, it's used to describe uh, a castle or uh, something that is set up so that it cannot be destroyed, entered into, or taken down. I put in your uh, outline today the definition that I gave for a stronghold on last week. I know it was too much for you to write down, but let's read it together if we will. A stronghold is an area in your life where the results of sin have taken root in your spirit, so much so that it affects who you are, how you think, and what you do, continuing to give Satan power in that area of your life to cause you to live below God's will for your life in your thoughts, words, or deeds. Now, your stronghold is not necessarily a sin that you have committed. Many times, it's a sin that has been committed against you, but because it has taken root and hold in your life, it causes you to live far below where God wants you to be. Secondly, I shared with you, you need to realize the root cause of many of your strongholds is unresolved pain from your past. Y'all, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had discussions with people who, in the midst of that conversation, something being said or a thought that they have triggers them and takes them to a place that the conversation was not designed to take them to. And they literally will start reacting and start talking and start saying things to the point that I've had situations where I've been sitting there going, how did we get here? Like, where did this come from? And I realized that whatever was said, whatever they were thinking, whatever they were dealing with, it was triggering of something that was unresolved from their past. And they went there quick, fast. And in a hurry. Strongholds are symptoms while the pain from your past is the root cause behind your strongholds. Uh, we use Psalms 88 verse 15 as our text. Uh, Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Uh, this is the last of the sons of Korah psalm. 
in the Psalms, and the psalmist is crying out. We do not know what this affliction was that came to him early in life, but he describes the perpetual pain that he was dealing with and feeling day and night. The times he felt all alone, the times that he felt he was in darkness, in the depths of despair, like he was drowning with no one close enough to rescue him. And this psalm closes with the word darkness. Most psalms describe darkness early on and then talk about walking into the light with God. They, they talk about pain in the first part, but they conclude by talking about praise of God because of his delivering power. But this psalm is all about darkness. And he says he's been dealing with this darkness seems like all his life or for as long as he can remember. According to the Center for Disease Control, adverse childhood experiences are traumatic events that occur in childhood between zero and 17 or potentially traumatic. Um, I gave you a list there on your outline of 10 adverse childhood experiences. Child physical abuse, child sexual abuse, child emotional abuse, emotional neglect, physical neglect, mentally ill, depressed, or suicidal person, in the home, drug addicted or alcoholic family member, witnessing domestic violence against the mother, loss of a parent to death or abandonment by parental divorce, incarceration of any family member for a crime. And and, and the fact of the matter is there are many of you under the sound of my voice and there are many of you who are listening uh, you, you just stopped checking the ones that applied to you. you. Matter of fact, you had an easier time checking the ones that you didn't experience. Uh, researchers say that there are similar correlations between adverse experiences and long-term health outcomes around racism, around poverty, systemic oppression, exposure to community violence, microaggressions, stereotypical behavior, well, we can check all those boxes, too, because we deal with all of those things as people of color. And here's what's interesting. And you might not have thought about it. If you haven't thought about it for yourself, think about it for the sake of your children and maybe your grandchildren. Traumatic experiences do not simply happen to children. They happen inside children in their brains and bodies. Uh, it is said that when children grow up in traumatic environments that they become susceptible and begin to gravitate towards traumatic experiences as youth and young adults and as adults in part because even though it's bad, it's familiar. And they gravitate towards what's familiar. Causes stress, uh, toxic Stress that impacts the brain's capacity and ability to learn. And I told you on last week, the truth of the matter is, there are more of us who have gone through adverse childhood experiences than have not. 64% of adults have had at least one ACE, 25% have had at least three or more, 17.3% have experienced four or more. 
I don't know about you, but I think I'm a living testimony because when I was checking those boxes, I got at least about eight out of ten of them in terms of what I've experienced, what I've seen, and what I have felt. Let, let me ask you a question, and this might be just the key for somebody's deliverance. If, if you look at that list and you've experienced at least one adverse childhood experience, would you be brave enough to stand this morning? I just want to see if there's anybody who's brave enough to say, yeah, I've, I've been there. I'm already standing, so I can't stand anymore. I'll just raise both my hands if you've experienced at least one, two, or three of those experiences. Yeah, thank you. Come on, you give yourselves a hand today. Because it's a testimony that you're here. Because you're here literally by the grace of God. So what do you do when you see the impact of your ACEs on your life? Um, and then I closed last week by talking about the battle that you must take. Number three, you must battle your strongholds every day of your life. It is a fight. Y'all, it's a fight. It's a fight. How many of y'all know it's a fight for your sanity every day of your life? It's a fight not just for your mental sanity, for your spiritual sanity. It is a fight every day because the enemy will attack you from a variety of places and through a variety of circumstances. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong finally in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I shared with you last week, A, realize you are in a battle with the devil. That's why Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Verse 8, chapter 5, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is an equal opportunity devourer. He's not just after you, but you better know he is after you. And if he can't take you out, he sure wants to take you down. If he can rob you of your testimony, if he can rob you of your spiritual credibility, that's what the devil wants to do. Watch this. If he can't silence your, uh, your, your witness, he wants to render your witness impotent. So the devil says, I can't take you out, but here's what he will do. He'll get you so mad and frustrated that you start cussing and fussing and going off on folk in the office. No more than anybody else would do, but oh my God, what does that do to your Christian witness? Because the first thing the person says after you go off and they're the ones that drove you to that place, they say, oh, I thought you was a Christian. I thought you was a child of God. And now you sitting there looking going, God dog, the devil got me again. You're in a battle with the devil, but be you're in a battle with your flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, John talks about in 1 John 2, 16. We are in a battle with our flesh. And even as you get older and you may become physically incapacitated, watch this. It's not only what you can do, it's also how you think. And so the Lord is very clear, don't mistake physical inability with spiritual maturity, right? Some stuff you just can't do anymore like you used to do. You, you can't run like you used to run. You can't dip and duck and slip and slide like you used to. But God says you got to check your mind as well as your body. 
He says, you're in a battle with your flesh. And then look at C, realize you are in a spiritual battle with your past. Uh, one of the reasons I believe Paul says, do not consider the things of old, forgetting what lies behind, pressing forward to the things that lie ahead is because you cannot move forward in the way God wants you to move if you're continuing to hold on to, stay back in, reminisce on the past. He says you've got to move forward and press toward the mark. Let's get to part two, and let me share with you two things today. Number one, you need to realize you must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your stronghold. You must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your strongholds. Whatever your strongholds are, as you identify them, here's what I need you to know. You're not going to get over them just by exercising your flesh. One of the reasons is because it has been with you. I'm talking about the stronghold has been with you so long that you have seen it and identified with it as just part of who you are. But let me give you an example. If, if uh, rejection, if abuse is your stronghold, whatever your stronghold has been, if it happened to you at a very, very young age, you internalized it and you might even perceive it as the path in life that is meant for you. For example, there are people who have been abused as children who think abuse is just a part of life. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Even if I don't like it, I look for it. I, I identify with it. And watch this. Sometimes if I'm not careful, I might create the situation for it to take place. Because that's who I see myself as being. Because I've been that victim for so long. Look at what Paul says in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. They have divine power, divine power to destroy strongholds. God-given power. That's what the Lord makes available to you and to me. And he gives us this power to destroy strongholds but remember the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh you cannot defeat satan in your own strength you cannot fight spiritual battles and be victorious without god's power and there's somebody under the sound of my voice you may be thinking you know what i thought there was something wrong with me pastor because every time i try it just seems like man i can get started and then i can't keep it up i can't keep going because your flesh may be willing, but your flesh is weak. I'm not saying you don't desire to be delivered. What I'm saying is you cannot find deliverance apart from your relationship with God. That's why prayer is so important. That's why spending time in the word is so important. That's why meditating on the goodness of God is so important because when you pray, for example, you're showing an active dependence on God. When you turn to him in prayer, you're acknowledging that you can't, but he can. You're saying to God, God, I need you. I need you to come through like never before. Look at Romans 8 verse 11. 
if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Look at A. You need to realize the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Uh, when you are attacked, you need to know the Holy Spirit fortifies your efforts with supernatural strength. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Let's read it together. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you. Let me tell you one of the theological faux pas that we hear over and over again. You, you hear it in songs that are teaching a bad theology. You're hearing it uh, with pep rally preaching on TikTok and candy cane thinking. Here's, wh here's where we make the mistake. We think we got to invite God into our midst. So we sing songs like, welcome into this place, right? Uh, fall down on us. No, the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. We're not waiting for God to come. We don't have to invite him to come. Matter of fact, all you got to do is recognize his presence inside of you, and it doesn't have to happen in the sanctuary. That's why grandmama could start shouting in the kitchen all by herself. Because when she started thinking about the goodness of the Lord and, 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 and felt the spirit of God stirring inside of her, she didn't need any prompting. She didn't need anybody to tell her to get up, sit down. Uh, Simon says praise and worship periods. Lift your hands, put your hands down. Stick your leg out, do the hokey pokey and turn herself around and reach up and grab. No, when you think about how good God has been and recognize that he lives inside of you. His presence inside of you ought to give you joy for your life and living. Or ought to change how you live when you recognize he's inside of you uh, wherever you go. Whatever you do, I, I don't care how, how grown I was when my mother was with me, there were certain things that I, I just didn't even think about doing, right? Because my mother was, was with me. I didn't, and, and, and if I didn't recognize she was with me, I might stray a little bit. But once I recognized she was with me, oh, no, there's certain things you didn't do now around your mama, right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, well, what about when God is living inside of you? Well, same thing, <laughs> Some things you shouldn't be doing, some places you shouldn't be going, because guess what? You don't go without the Lord when you go. He's right there with you. So here's my question. If you wouldn't do it, if your mama was with you, why would you do it and God is with you? Ooh, think about that for a minute. <laughs> Just messed up some of y'all plans already. <laughs> B, the Holy Spirit fights for you. He is not only inside of you. The Holy Spirit fights for you when you're tired, when you're beat up, when you're beat down. When you're unable to fight for yourself, the Holy Ghost will fight the battle for you. Look at Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses or in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He says, when you don't even know what to pray for, he says, the Holy Ghost is a prayer interpreter and divinely steps in and prays according to the will of God for your life. He's always fighting for you. Let's go to the last point today. Point two, you must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. You must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. Everybody say choose. See, here's one of the things that I've learned about the Christian life. You may not have gotten to this place yet. I hope you take my word for it. Uh, You will never experience victory if you do not choose to fight. Um, You have to be intentional. Sometimes you have to be aggressive. Sometimes you're going to have to be unapologetic to get where God wants you to be. And I need you to hear this because watch this. Some of you think if you just pray, it's just automatically going to happen without any effort being required of you. you got to put forth some effort. Look at what he says. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10. We destroy. We destroy. Wait a minute. Who's, who's the we? Me and you. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood. They have divine power, and we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. There's a part of this battle that belongs to God, but there's a part of this battle for your own freedom from your strongholds That belongs to you. God has done his part. The question is, are you willing to do your part? See, Paul says that spiritual warfare is is all about human activity dependent upon divine power. So it's not just me working and doing it on my own. No, I've got to do it in conjunction with, undergirded by, rooted in divine power. I can't get there by myself, but God is not going to get me there without my participation. That idea of warfare literally means military service. Uh, serving in a military campaign, uh, a soldier going to war. Uh, you see soldiers who are prepared to go to war, they're, they're prepared to fight. They're not dressed up in ceremonial attire. No, they're going to do battle. They're they going to shoot and they're going to get shot at. Listen, when God says we love to shout, When we hear the preacher say, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, it doesn't mean no weapon formed against you won't shoot. It doesn't mean the weapon won't work. It doesn't mean the enemy won't try to take you out. 
When we claim that, we need to recognize that we're going to be in a fight even if there's victory on the other side. The children of Israel missed the promised land. Because God said he was going to give them a land and they went over there and said, yeah, everything God said was true, but there are giants in the land. And they're bigger than us. And somebody asked the question, why didn't God tell them about the giants? And the reason God didn't tell them about the giants is because he was already prepared to take care of the giants. He just needed them to have enough faith to walk in the land. How are we to fight spiritually and get over or get victory over our strongholds? Look at A. Ask God to reveal what is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. Confess it. Confess it. It may not be a sin that you committed. It may be a sin that was committed against you. But either way, you don't want to own it. You want to confess it. 1 John 1, beginning at verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I told you it may not be the result of your sin. It may be the sin of another person. But is it a sin when we perpetuate somebody else's sin and make their sinful activity our reality? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, when we make somebody else's sin against us our reality and we live our lives based on what they have done and what they have said and not based on who God says you are, then you become a perpetuator of the sin against yourself. Once God has shown you your particular area of pain, confess it, call it what God calls it, even when it's sin. See, some strongholds are the results of unchecked and unconfessed sins in your life that have remained so long they've become strongholds. Some strongholds are the result of sins committed against you, like abuse and or violence. Some strongholds are caused by generational sins that run in your family. You ever told somebody in your family, well, you just like, you look just like, Woo, you act just like. And many times, those just likes are not positive. Many times, they are negative. Here's what God says. Don't claim it as your personality or that's just the way you are. Call it what God calls it, a stronghold. And deal with it. Deal with the greed. Deal with the lust. Deal with the gossip. Deal with the irritability and, and, and call it what it is. Call it anger. Call, call, it, call it greed. Call it what it is. And once you know why it's there, then you can address how the Lord can help you get rid of it. Look at B. Release and repent of the unresolved pain. That's the root of your stronghold. Release and repent. Once you identify it, release it and repent it. Once you call it sin, you can deal with it the way God wants you to deal with it. Release means to actively and aggressively let go of the sins that were done to you in your past. 
You got to release it. Hebrews 12.1 says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, here it is, every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. There are things in our life that are not sin, but they are weights. And the Bible says you got to lay aside that weight. You got to take that weight off. Nobody intentionally runs a race for time with a weight on. Even if you use it for training, when you get in the race, you take the weight off. And the Bible says we are in a race for our lives and we have to learn how to take the weight off. Notice what the text says. He says, let us also lay aside every weight. Because watch this. This is not something that you can pray and say, God, take this weight off of me. God said, no, you know it's a weight. You got to take it off. I'll help you. But, but you got to grab hold of it because watch this. If you don't take it off, you might be likely to put it back on. He says, no, no, you got to learn how to take it off. You got to learn how to take it off because if you leave it on too long, it will metastasize into a stronghold. But you not only need to release it, you got to repent. And repent means to actively and aggressively turn away from the areas where you have sinned as a result of the stronghold. You got to repent. Now, you know what repent is? Repent is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repent is making a 180 degree turn to go the opposite direction from where you have been going. Okay? If I'm trying to get to Galveston, and I see a sign that says, uh, Dallas, 200 miles. I don't need to make a turn and go to Lufkin. Right? If I'm trying to get to Galveston, I got to do what? I got to turn around. And I don't need to get all the way to Dallas before I turn around. Come on, somebody would say there's something wrong with that. If I keep on going to Dallas, but I want to get to Galveston, and I see a sign that says, Dallas, 200 miles. No, get off at the next exit. And make a U-turn and go back, get on the road and go in the right direction. Can I tell y'all something right now? There are too many of you, like that woman with a nail in her forehead, you are still heading in the wrong direction in denial. In denial. God says there's deliverance available, but you're still in denial. And you think because you get off the highway heading to Dallas, and you're supposed to be going to Galveston, and you start heading towards Lufkin, you're doing better. You're still not going where God wants you to go. Look at Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Let's read Galatians 5.16 together. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Let me just close by telling you this. The enemy will continue to come after you to debilitate, depress, and destroy you. But you have to keep fighting the good fight. And the good news is you don't have to fight the fight alone. You got to fight, but you got to make sure that you're not fighting by yourself. Know that God is with you. 
and he that is with you is greater than he that is in the world. Victory can be yours, but you have to make a decision and say, you know what? Enough is enough. God, help me to do what I need to do to get where you want me to be. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. The old songwriter said, yield not to temptation, Lord, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. And then you told us to fight manfully onward. Dark passions subdue, look ever to Jesus, and he will carry us through. The refrain says, ask the Savior to help us. Comfort, strengthen, and keep us. He is willing to aid us. He will carry us through. I pray, God, that someone under the sound of my voice who is listening via the internet, someone who is here in person, somebody who may catch the replay or the repeat in a divinely orchestrated way, I pray, God, that they would make a decision to say enough is enough. Give them the strength, give them the courage to press through where they are. Even those who may have made progress, but they still have not fully experienced deliverance. Give them what they need in order to take the step they need to step. Take and get to that place of freedom in you. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say amen.